Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Carrie. And, and we're, we're Identical, Identical Twins. Twins. We are so excited to talk to you about all things related to church music here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Now each week we will break down a hymn. It could be an old favorite or it could be one you've never heard of. But it is our prayer that you will worship with us no matter what song it is. So let's get started here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. I'm Kelly. I'm Carrie. And we're, we're identical, identical twins. twins. <laughs> All right, we're back. We're back for our next episode, and we are so excited about this hymn. I mean, do we say that every episode? Do we? <laughs> we are so excited about well, you know, this hymn. I know. And, you know, our choir would make fun of us at church because I would say, this is our favorite song. This <laughs> right. is our favorite <laughs> worship musical. Right. This is our favorite cantata. So, I mean, I think that it's just whatever we're working on is now our favorite. Yeah. And we do have a lot of favorites. We do. We do. All right. So we are so excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. I just finished your sentence. All right, I thought so, you were going to say sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, this is Hymn Talk, Talk Twin, Twin Talk, Talk. And we're talking about all your favorite hymns. Now, this week, we thought that we would do something different. We have not done a hymn like this. This sort of becomes groundbreaking for Hymn Talk Twin <laughs> Talk for a bunch of different reasons. Yes, it's groundbreaking. <laughs> We have a lot of first times right. with this hymn. So mm -hmm. this is the first time we are doing a hymn that w did not originate from the United States of America. Right. It is not from here. And it was originally written in a different language. That's right. So we're actually singing a translation of the original hymn. And we're going to talk a little bit about the original language, right. which it's not an easy language to speak no. or sing. No. And it is the oldest, right? It's the oldest so far. It's the oldest so far. Yeah. Are you guys ready to hear what it is? Okay, well, how about if we mm. give them the country of origin and then see if maybe they can guess. Okay. So this hymn was written by a famous hymn writer from the country of Wales. It is a Welsh <laughs> hymn, you guys. All right, so I feel like we need like. <laughs> I feel like they're gonna they're thinking in their in their mind of all the hymns that they know that might be from Wales. They're going through the rolodex of hymns right. in their brain. Right. Welsh, written by a man named William Williams. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. nice for him. He doesn't have to worry too much about memorizing two names. That's how I feel about our birthdays, 12-12. That's true. Whether we're in Europe and the day has to come first. <laughs> it's always 12-12. Yes. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay, so. Are you ready? Are we ready to tell them? Yes. Okay. The hymn this week is. Guide me, O thou, thou great Jehovah. Jehovah. Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah, is by far the oldest one. Now, the words to this hymn date back to 1745. That's crazy. I mean, think of what was going on in America at the time. We weren't even a country yet. Right. 1745. So this hymn was written in Welsh. The title was in Welsh. Mm -hmm. And we only know it because of a translation. Right. So we, there was actually three different people that participated in the creation of this hymn as we know it. Right. So first, the text, the Welsh text that was written in 1745 by William Williams. Right. And then a few years later, it was translated to English by a man named Peter Williams, 
no relation. <laughs> so now in 1771, we have the English words that we know. Right. And then not till 1907 did we get the hymn tune that we know, and it was written by a man named John Hughes. Right. So we have never done a, a hymn in a different language. So I wanted to try to give you the translation in Welsh. So Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah, in Welsh is known as Ar Gloith Ar Wine Troyer Anialuch. That was Carrie, you guys. So if any of you Welsh people are mad that she pronounced that wrong, just email Carrie. I think I did okay. Okay. Ar Gloith Ar Wine Troyer Anialuch. And this translates to be strength to go through the wilderness. It was known as a prayer, which then became guide me, O thou great Jehovah. Wow. All right, so why don't we sing a little bit for our listeners mm -hmm. so they know exactly what hymn we're talking about. All right, guide me, O thou great Jehovah. The original text by William Williams, the English translation by Peter Williams, and the tune by John Hughes. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, pilgrim through this barren land. I am weak, but thou art mighty. Hold me with thy powerful hand. Bread of heaven, bread of heaven, Feed me till I want no more. Feed me till I want no more. I think that would be familiar to most people. Well, yeah, it, I think at least the tune would be. We actually sing another hymn with this tune. Uh, th th I believe there are several. There are yes. several. Yes. But I think the most common one Which is one? God of Grace and God yes. of Glory. God of grace and God of glory. That's all we know. <laughs> That's all we know up by heart. Okay. So let's talk about this John Hughes, this composer. Yep. He writes the music to these words that were written 150 years prior. I know. That's his inspiration. Mm -hmm. Now, we do have, like, other tunes that the words were with and right. other Welsh melodies, but this is definitely, like, the standard, don't you think? Well, yeah. At least since 1907. All right, so John Hughes is a composer, a hymn writer. He's living in Wales. So this church commissions John Hughes to write a mm -hmm. hymn. Mm -hmm. I mean, how great is that? We know that this happened in the time of Bach and the time of Mozart, where churches were commissioning these composers to write music every week for service. Mm -hmm. But, you know, by 1907, we're not really hearing that that's happening. Right. So in, well, in Wales, this church has a brand new organ, and they're going to dedicate it, and they want a brand new hymn. And all of this is taking place during this huge singing festival. Yeah. This huge singing festival in Wales. That is, it's famous in Wales. So, now, Carrie, the, will you tell us the name of the this Welsh, singing festival? The Welsh festival is called Common Fargany. Common Fargany. So there's lots of these hymn festivals. And at this point in 1907, in the little town of Pontypridd, Pontypridd, where John Hughes is, John Hughes writes the song and premieres it. So here's a little fun fact. Oh, it better be fun. There's kind of a famous singer born in Pontypridd. Oh. And you should know him. You've heard of him. He's from Wales. I'm going to see if you can guess, Cal. Is so, he like a Broadway singer? Nope. 
Nope, he was like a Las Vegas singer, but he did a lot of recordings. He made the songs famous, It's Not Unusual. To be loved by you. Oh, is Tony Bennett? No, no. I guess though. What's New Pussycat? Another song, Delilah. It was the great Tom Jones. Oh. Yes. Okay, so he had to have, I'm sure his name became Americanized. I'm sure he wasn't named Tom Jones. Yeah, true. I don't know. Welsh. That's so funny. All right, so in Pontypreth, where yeah. John Hughes is. And also- where Tom Jones was born. <laughs> Fun fact. All right, he is premiering his tune. Now, Pontypreth is in the Rente Valley. Okay. So the tune is actually called Cum Rente, which means Rente Valley. Cool. I wouldn't have known how to pronounce that name. They don't seem to have tons of vowels in the Welsh language. I know. Cum. C-W-M. C-W-M. Cum. Yeah. And it somehow means valley. Okay. So I just want to say that the chapel is still oh, there. Right. It's the Hopkinstown Chapel. It's still there. You can visit it. And there's a plaque that says that John Hughes was there and played Cum Rente for the first time. All right. So let's talk a little bit more about this Welsh singing festival. What's okay. the name of it again, Carrie? Come on, Fargany. Come on, Fargany. Now, it's, a, it's actually called a festival of sacred hymns. So this festival is all about church music. I feel like I want to go. And it's usually under the direction of a choral director. Mm -hmm. And they take their music really seriously, Mm -hmm. Carrie. Mm -hmm. If they're singing at this festival and the choral director who's kind of leading it hears like a wrong note or hears parts singing wrong, they'll they'll stop the singing and like go over the notes for them. (laughs) No, this was this whole movement was started in 1859. Okay. So it's been around a long time. It was pioneered by the Reverend Evan Lewis. And so these common Farganese are in many villages and towns throughout the whole country. There is actually festivals that take place in North America. In mm-hmm. fact, there's a whole North American association of Comfargany. <laughs> and usually... These festivals in in North America take place over Labor Day weekend. Oh, so it would have just yeah, happened. It it's a four day festival. And so where any any close to us in Massachusetts? No, not close to us. They are in different places. They've been in Ohio. They've been in Philadelphia. This year they would have been in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Oh, they changed I, their location. They changed every their year. location, and I guess there is a large Welsh population in Wisconsin. Oh, interesting. Interesting. But in Wales, they have several of these festivals all over the country. Right. In America, you have one per year, yep. and it tra- and it moves around. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, on f- this year in Wisconsin, they were celebrating the 88th Kimfagany. Come on, Fargany. I don't know why I can't say it. She, Carrie has always been better at accents and foreign languages than me. <laughs> um, so it, this tradition in North America began in 1929 at one of my most favorite places to visit, Niagara Falls. At some time, I want mm-hmm. to be able to go to mm-hmm. one of these. Now, of course, yeah, I want to go because of COVID. All of these festivals in North America were canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a virtual one that was held between September fourth and September thirtieth. So we like oh, literally we just, just missed, missed it. it. Yep, and it was it was happening throughout the month of September. You could log on and see some singing and stuff, but it, other everything else in person was canceled. And I have to imagine that. During these festivals, music is written all the time. Like, that's not a rare occurrence. Right. But what might be rare is that a song written at this time lasted this long. Yeah. We're still singing it today. I mean, not only has it lasted this long, but it really has become almost like this Welsh national anthem. Right, which I think is so surprising. This hymn, 
mm-hmm. that was written for a dedication of an organ at a church is now the Welsh National Anthem. I mean, we can tell you how many times it's been played. It actually was played at Princess Diana's funeral. Right. We know that she was Princess Diana, Princess of Wales. Right. And her sons have chosen that hymn to be played at both of their weddings. Right. Prince William and Kate and Prince Harry and Meghan, they had Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah, sung with the huge pipe organ playing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was really beautiful. Did I say the, the Welsh title yet? I have, right? Yeah, you I have, just you like have. saying it. Our gloith, our wine, Troyer, Ania Okay. <laughs> so it was written by William Williams. Mm-hmm. And if you look up William Williams in any way, you often find this third name. Did you find it? No. William Williams Pantikelen. Oh. And Pantikelen is this tiny hamlet that he was born. And it's in the town, like the larger area of Landovery. Now, William Williams wanted to be ordained as an Anglican priest. Right. He, in fact, he's famous for being a priest. That his sermons, you can find some of his sermons online. He he was a famous preacher. Um, but he could not be ordained through the Church of England. There had been some complaints. And the Church of England would not ordain him as a priest. Do you know what the problem was? Well, I read, Carrie... Mm-hmm. That in 1744, he was accused of several misdemeanors against the Church of England. I mean, he's what did he do? Trouble. He's, he's in big trouble. <laughs> he's in big trouble. So, so you hear this and you think, okay, what did this guy do? A misdemeanor against the Church of England? Right. So he met these Welsh Methodist revivalists and it really changed him. He wanted to preach wherever he could. Wherever he had people listening, he would preach. And the thing that he got into trouble for was was just that. In the Church of England, you have your parish, and you're not allowed to preach outside of your parish. So he believed that he should just be able to go wherever his feet led him, and he should be able to preach the Word of God. And the Church of England wouldn't let him. Mm-hmm. Now... I'm sure you're wondering how I know so much about William Williams. I'm, I'm assuming Google helped. <laughs> and I'm sure you're wondering how I can speak Welsh so well. <laughs> yes, we all have been wondering that, Carrie. So in Landovery, where William Williams is from, we now have the Williams Pantikelen Chapel. And I actually had a video call with the pastor. No, you didn't. Did. You did. Pastor Rob a Morris. A video call? Yep. We did a video call. Did he have a thick English accent? He had, well, it would be called a Welsh accent, oh, Kelly. Right. <laughs> and I had so many questions for him, and he showed, he just told me so many things, and he helped me pronounce the words. He did. That's why I'm That's pretty why you're sure so good. I'm right oh, about yeah. the pronunciation. But he was so funny because he, he said, to, so I would ask him how to say something, but I said it the way I was reading it, right? you know? And he would say, say that again? And I would say, why? Did I get it right? And he said, no, not at all. It's just really funny. <laughs> <laughs> he said, it's funny to hear you say it. So I would have really? to say it again. So he's the pastor of this church? Yep. He just started on June 28th. So oh gosh, he he's is brand the, new. He's brand new. He's in the middle of COVID. They are open. They are having in-person services. Okay. Um, but yeah, the church is actually a memorial chapel to William Williams Pantacalin, and he is very passionate about his music, and he's very passionate about his church. So William Williams 
was never ordained in the Church of England like he wanted. Instead, he went around to other churches and other areas to preach. It's almost like he had a calling to also be a missionary, Mm. you know, not just a preacher in a church guiding a church. He wanted to travel around. Yeah, and he's the one who told me about him uh, moving outside the parish, um, Pastor Rob. So... I just wanted to give a little bit of information about the chapel. He said the chapel was built in the 1800s, and hundreds of mainly English railway workers were building the railways in mid-Wales, and they Mm. were there in Llandovery. Many were nonconformists, and they didn't want to go to a Church of England, but they did want an English-speaking chapel. So they began pooling their wages Now, at the same time, there was a national collection to build a proper grave, a proper memorial for William Williams, and lots of money was raised for that. So then that was given to the rail workers' savings. The chapel was built. So even though it's a Welsh-speaking area, it has always been an English-speaking chapel. So, yeah, I just loved learning (laughs) about this church. It makes me want to go there. Oh, I would love it. The williams Pontecalan Chapel. This is what it said on the website. Can I just read it? Yeah, yeah. Built in memory of the great Williams Pantakelen, this chapel is filled with praise to God. This is a place to worship and grow faith, to find peace and to know God. We aim to be a people of hope and of purpose, of renewal and of love. We don't pretend to be an all-singing-all-dancing church, although we do like to sing and some even dance. Well, jiggle anyway. Oh, gosh. <laughs> we are what you find, simply a group of believers who worship God and love our neighbors. Oh. I loved it. That's great. Yeah. So Pastor Rob. Pastor Rob, I hope he's listening. really <laughs> helped me with all of this. I was sending him messages for days. Wow. I mean, we should plan a Welsh, when COVID is over, <laughs> we could plan a Welsh church tour. Because we could go to the yep. first church where the organ was dedicated. Yep, that's and right. then we could go to this one. Yeah. And he actually was camping when we talked. So we did a video call and he showed me his tent. Yeah. And it was it was a clear, you know, screen on the tent and it was pouring. Okay. And I said, I will never do that. <laughs> we we are not campers I in our I would, family. I said I would love to go to Wales, but please no camping. So he was camping on the hills where William Williams was walking. Right. That's what he said. This is the he showed me. He he sent me a picture. This is the area where William Williams would have been preaching outside his parish, therefore not being ordained as a priest with right. the Anglican Church. You keep talking about William Williams and being a traveling preacher and wanting to travel, and that's actually what got him into trouble, because "Guide me, O Thou Great Jehovah," is known as a pilgrimage hymn. The general theme of the song is an allusion to the Israelites' journey through the desert to reach the promised land. So why don't we talk a little bit about the the, the words now? Okay. The first interesting thing about Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah, is that scholars debate how Jehovah is even pronounced. Yes. Yes. I know. And I actually asked Pastor Rob about oh, it. Oh, what did he say? He, do, he doesn't believe the word Jehovah like is in the original William Williams. But right. he said that that first word, Argloith, just means Lord, which could be Jehovah. I mean, right. you know. Well, Lord in the Old Testament, when you see L-O-R-D all in capital letters, that is the God of the covenant. That is Yahweh. Mm-hmm. That is what ended up becoming Jehovah. Okay. So while there is some discussion about how Yahweh would be pronounced, you know, in 
2020. What ended up happening is that, you know, it's just kind of the Anglo-Saxon version of Yahweh, Y-H-W-H. There were no vowels in the original Hebrew language. Is that a fun fact? Sure. (laughs) There was no vowels. So the the word for God was just Y-H-W-H. And that is called a tetragrammaton. What's that? What's that? <laughs> it's another $10 word, Kelly. What? Because it has no vowels? The tetragram or tetragrammatron is actually the word for the four-letter Hebrew word. And, you know, I found oh. the actual Hebrew characters. So you it's, don't word that, you don't use that tetra word for anything else nope. except this. What? It's the four letters read from right to left. And there is no real consensus about the structure or etymology of the name. The word Yahweh is now accepted almost universally. Mm -hmm. And actually, Mm -hmm. the word Jehovah is too. I mean, you asked Pastor Rob. I asked Pastor Reed, our our former pastor at our church. I asked Pastor Joseph, our current lead pastor at the Mm -hmm. church. Mm -hmm. You know, they all are saying, yes, there's some discrepancy. But they're going to side with what scholarship has agreed on. And most have agreed that... It's Jehovah. Now, would there be people in the world who actually want to say something different and don't say they they want to say Jehovah, but they pronounce it differently? I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I think that there are people who debate it, but they're not. You know, there's no real way of knowing, and there's no song that has Yahweh in it. Like that. I was like, should we just change? I mean, there probably are, but we don't have a song. Instead of singing "Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah," why don't we sing "Guide Me, O Thou Great Yahweh"? Guide me, oh, thou great Yahweh. Yeah, I don't like that. I mean, it doesn't totally work. But then the irony is, is that in the Old Testament, the Jewish people would never have said the word Yahweh. It was like too holy, too perfect, and too awesome. They wouldn't have said it. Was, it wasn't spoken out would loud. They, would they whisper it? <laughs> no, they wouldn't whisper <laughs> Would it they either. pray in their mind and think it? <laughs> would they write it? I don't understand. You have a word that you can't say? They would pronounce the name once a year on the Day of Atonement. It's this Jewish holiday that focuses on atoning the sins of the nation of Israel. So that is when they would pronounce it, like, for the one time. Here's another fun fact that, you know, my husband Danny came up with. Uh, Okay. And, of course, it brings us to the movies. (laughs) Woohoo! Let's go to the movies. All right. So what movie are we talking about? Well, we're big fans of this movie in our family. We are, too. The Indiana Jones franchise. We love Mm -hmm. Indiana Jones. We love... Dum-da-dum-dum. Dum-da-dum-dum. Dum-da-dum. I mean, we could keep going, right? We keep going. We love Indiana Jones. We love Harrison Ford. And in the um, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull... He actually starred in it with Sean Connery, his yes, father. Yes. And there's this famous scene. Like I watched it. I watched where, it too. <laughs> where we Indiana, can share this. We can share this. We on can Facebook. show it. Yeah, yeah. We'll look on our Facebook page. So Indiana Jones has to step through um, the path, and if he steps on the wrong stone, he'll fall through. Right. And it says, and he has to f- step on the path that is God's name. Right. So he has to spell it. All the he letters spell it. are like on these stones. sort of stone tiles. Yeah. yeah. 
and he steps foot on the J because it's supposed to be the name of God, Jehovah. Right. The first yeah. letter, J for Jehovah. Yeah, which in Hebrew, it would have been like the Y version of it. But in the movie, they say, oh, this is the Latin spelling of it. Right. So he has to change the spelling on the spot. I mean, luckily, you know, Indiana Jones is incredibly brilliant. And so is his father. And so is his dad. So they figured it out. But it is a famous scene, and it reminded me... You know, of this this song reminded me of that scene because there's so much talk about the word, word Jehovah. Jehovah. Yeah. Who's pronouncing it right? Who's spelling it right? And if the Hebrew language didn't have any vowels, I mean, it could be pronounced a myriad of ways. Right. I mean, just take our names, Kelly and Kerry. If there were no vowels and it was just K K R R and K L L. K L L. I mean, it, it could, could be anything. anything. We could have O's and A's. And I could be Korai. I could be K Lu. <laughs> so do you want to tell them a little fun fact about us with Indiana Jones? Sure. This this is very, I mean, I don't know if they're impressed by us or not, but like <laughs> this should be the thing that impresses you. All right. So we loved Indiana Jones as kids, mm-hmm. and we really thought we, we could get into the Guinness Book of World Records yes. for watching Raiders of the Lost Ark yes. so many times. And of course, we had the VCR and the VHS tape. Yep. And we wanted to be in the world record book for watching it a record number of times. And what was so that in, number? So in one summer, I think we just kept watching it. Yep. And it was 27. No, I thought it was 26. <laughs> 26 or 27 times we yep. watched it. So oh, we didn't even pursue the whole Guinness thing. We no, thought no, that was <laughs> a, we were like done with it. That after was that. not a good showing. <laughs> okay. So I love this talking about the words. Jehovah, I love hearing how it comes from the Bible. Let's talk about the Bible. What does the Bible say? (laughs) So obviously the word Jehovah doesn't occur in the Bible at all, you know. But that original word, Y-H-W-H, that we don't know how it was pronounced, it actually appeared in the original Hebrew scriptures nearly 7,000 times. Right. But in the English translation... They, ne- they didn't use Jehovah. They used Lord. Right. So I did find a psalm. This is Psalm 8318. What does the Bible say? <laughs> okay, so what does this say? Now, in the NIV translation, it says, Let them know that you, whose name is the Lord, that you alone are the most high over all the earth. That's mm-hmm. the psalm. Okay. But I found a new world translation. And instead of saying whose name is the Lord... It says, whose name is Jehovah. Nice. So it's there. It's there. It's there. And I think that, you know, we can just be comfortable saying Jehovah. Mm -hmm. If we all get to heaven Mm -hmm. and God says, you were all wrong, it's not Jehovah, it's Jehovah. Right. (laughs) So why doesn't the word Jehovah occur more in the Bible that we read? Why? Because it was translated to that Lord, that L-O-R-D in capital letters. Okay. All right. So now let's dig into the Bible. Let's dig into these verses because one of the things that I think is so genius about this hymn Mm -hmm. is that when you read the words, it is clearly talking about the Old Testament. It is clearly talking about the Israelites wandering in the wilderness. It's almost like he's telling the story. It's almost like he's telling the story. So you can sing it and go, you know, oh, this is the story from the Old Testament from Exodus that I know, that I remember. But so we could say that the Old Testament story inspired the hymn. And you know, here on Hymn Talk Twin Talk, we call it Hymnspiration. Well, you know, it's funny that you say that because I also think the thing that inspired him yes. 
was his own life of traveling. Right. You know, he was a traveler. He wanted to be on the road yeah. doing his thing. And this is a pilgrimage hymn. And so. he's called, like, the traveling minister. He's called the traveling he, minister. And that was what the thing that he did that made the Anglican church so angry with him. Right. He wasn't allowed to leave his parish. And the first line Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, pilgrim in this barren land. Yeah. I have to think that he considered himself the pilgrim in the barren land. Yes, absolutely. So that is so genius about these words because it is definitely telling the story of the Exodus. It's also telling his personal story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it it kind of tells our story, too, as, Christian, as, as Christians and believers in absolutely. 2021. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's dig into... Wait, wait it's not 2021 Oh, my yet. gosh, it's 2020. <laughs> you just can't wait for this year to be I over. I need this year to be over, Carrie. <laughs> it's All almost right. over. But aren't we going to make a connection to the New Testament, yes. too? So let's look at these words. Okay. And let's... Figure out what the Bible has to say. What does the Bible say? <laughs> In both Old Testament and New Testament. Perfect. Okay. okay. So verse 1. Do you want to read the words of verse 1? Yeah. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, pilgrim through this barren land. I am weak, but thou art mighty. Hold me with thy powerful hand. Bread of heaven, bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. This is definitely talking about the Israelites mm-hmm. wandering in the desert. Mm-hmm. They were pilgrims. They were in a barren land. They were weak. Um, and they were relying on God. And, of course, we know that these Israelites grumbled and complained, like, the whole time. Yes. But God did lead them through. Now, you might say that God could have given the Israelites a, a faster, easier, quicker route to right. the new promised land. Sure. But he didn't. And you read in Exodus 13, verse 17, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. So God had a plan. He didn't want to go the easier route. He went the harder route. And so that brings us to this bread of heaven. Yeah. In Exodus chapter 16, the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you. And then later in verse 14, And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. Moses said, This is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. That manna was on the ground every morning while they were in the wilderness. God provided them with exactly the food that they needed. And later in verse 31, it says the house of Israel called its name manna. And this is what it's like. Are you ready? It was like coriander seed, Hmm. white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Hmm, They ate too bad. No. They ate manna for 40 years till they came to a habitable land. They ate the manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan. So I actually talked to Pastor Rob about this. Okay. So the last line of the song has like two translations, two interpretations. Yes, I've seen it. So it's one is feed me now and evermore or feed me till I want no more. Mm -hmm. Feed me now and evermore or feed me till I want no more. And basically, they both amount to the same. And Pastor Rob said, you know, the first one just goes on forever. Feed me now and evermore. But the second one will stop only when I don't need it, which is never. Which is never. So they both mean the same thing. And I thought that was interesting that he shared that. That's neat. 
So in the New Testament, we hear Jesus talking about the bread of heaven. In John 6, 31, he's talking to the people and he says, our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, it is not Moses who gave them the bread. It was my father in heaven. Right. And he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. So here we have it in the New Testament too. And you have to believe that William Williams was inspired by the New Testament as well. Yeah. I mean, we're going to see this in each of the verses, but I do think it's what's so brilliant about this hymn, that it does bring both Old and New Testaments together. Yeah. All right, so second verse. Open now the crystal fountain, whence the healing stream doth flow. Let the fire and cloudy pillar lead me all my journey through. Strong deliverer, strong deliverer, be thou still my str strength and shield. Be thou still my strength and shield. Okay, there's a lot of in this too. And at first I, w I heard Crystal Fountain and I was like, oh, wow, Crystal Skull from Indiana Jones. Is that, <laughs> are we back to Indiana Jones? But no. Um, open now the Crystal Fountain. I think this brings us to Exodus 17. What does the Bible <laughs> say? All right, Exodus 17. The people were grumbling and complaining again. I mean, we really do see this pattern with the Israelites. Mm -hmm. And this is because they were thirsty. And God told Moses to strike the rock, to just hit the rock, and then this great water came out. So awesome. And so, again, the message here is that God provides. Right. You need food, God is providing. You need water, God is providing. And so tell us, Carrie, where this is in the New Testament. Well, in John 4.13, Jesus said, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever will drink of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And this is what Jesus did too, didn't he? He, he completely fulfilled the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. He didn't come to abolish the Old Testament, but he came to fulfill it. Mm -hmm. Yes, my father gave you food and water, but with me, you will never be thirsty or hungry again. And the other thing that I loved um, came in Revelation, chapter 22, verses 1 through 2. This is the um, vision. The, the vision. The angel showed me the river of the water of life. And what does it say? Bright, Bright as, as crystal, crystal. Flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Yeah, that's so, the crystal fountain. I, I mean, mean, there's the connection. I feel like he could have used any set of words there. And mm -hmm. he specifically used crystal fountain. Mm -hmm. He was talking about the rock in the Old Testament. And he's talking about our future with God in heaven. Yeah. All right. So what about when it talks about the fire and cloudy pillar? Right. That's leading. William Williams is saying it's leading him all of his journey. Yes. So, of course, that comes right from the Old Testament. So this is back in Exodus 17, mm -hmm. when God, when we're talking about God leading them through the wilderness, how do they know where to go? How literally do these lost people know where to go? Right. And here we see in verse 21, the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel both day and night. God's presence was with them every day and every night in the wilderness by the pillar of cloud and fire, guiding them just like the song says. And 
I mean, are we like, are we like just becoming repetitive now? Because and William Williams was feeling that way. He was mm-hmm. feeling led by God. Mm-hmm. No, maybe he didn't have the pillar of cloud and fire in front of him, but he was being led. He said. Where my feet take me, I go, and I want to be able to preach. Mm -hmm. And that comes from Pastor Rob. He told me that. He did? I'm quoting him. So this brings me into the New Testament, John 16. Okay. We're really talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is promising them that the Holy Spirit will come. And he says, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So in the Old Testament, they had the pillar of fire and cloud. And in the New Testament, Jesus is telling us he's giving us the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And they're doing the same thing in our life. They're guiding. They're guiding us. Yeah. All right. Can we look at verse 3? When I tread the verge of Jordan, mm. bid my anxious fears subside. Bear me through the swelling current, lead me safe on Canaan's side. Songs of praises, songs of praises, I will ever give to thee. I will ever give to thee. All right, so what does the Bible say about the River Jordan? There's a lot to the River Jordan, and it kind of it kind of made me so excited about it. We have people in our church who've been to the River Jordan. Yeah. We have people in our church who were baptized there. I feel like we could do an entire podcast on the River Jordan yes, and all too. of the times we hear it in music and yeah. Right. But all right, for so now. let's just quickly look at the River Jordan in the Old Testament and mm-hmm. the New Testament. Okay. Um, so God provided a way out for the Israelites in the Exodus by parting the Red Sea. And that's the one that everyone, you know, remembers and talks about. But God actually parted the River Jordan to let the Israelites cross over into the Promised Land. And we see this in Joshua. Okay, we know Moses wasn't able to go into the Promised Land after all of that. And it was Joshua. And it it's Joshua 4.23. Now, now, actually, physically, if we could show you a map, the River Jordan is the barrier between Israel and Jordan. And the River Jordan is an actual place that these people crossed over. So mm-hmm. in Joshua 4.23, mm-hmm. it says, For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed, just as the Lord your God had done to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed. Right. Joshua was crossing the Jordan into the Promised Land and remembering what God had already done in the Red Sea. Mm-hmm. And then we see it again just a little bit later when Elijah passed on being the prophet to Elisha (laughs) just before he ascended to heaven, he again crossed the Jordan River and it parted for both of them, Elijah and Elisha, who crossed on dry ground. Right. The River Jordan was an actual place that people crossed over to go into better places. Right. And it ended up being, for us, like a metaphor of transitions, you know, a metaphor. And, of course, this area, the River Jordan, is... In the New Testament, where John the Baptist is doing his work. And who does he baptize? Jesus. Jesus. Now, in the Old Testament, the waters parted. Right. But in the New Testament, when Jesus is baptized, it's not the waters that part. It's the heavens that part. Right. 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 Part, Part open. So we see this River Jordan as being very important in the Old Testament. Like pivotal. Yeah, pivotal. It, because it's moving to that better place. And of course, after Jesus was baptized, that's really when his ministry began. Yes, and now we see it in the New Testament. Crossing the Jordan became a metaphor for death. And we see this mm-hmm. in hymns. We see it here. 
William Williams is writing about the Israelites crossing the Jordan to get to Canaan, to get to the promised land. And he's also talking about us, mm -hmm. that someday we will cross the Jordan. And when we cross the Jordan, we will be in a better place. Yes. And what will we do when we get there? Sing praises to God. Songs of praises. Songs of praises. I will ever give to thee. I will ever give to thee. And we see that when the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, when God when God rescued them, mm -hmm. they sing the song of Moses. It's a beautiful um, psalm of praise in mm -hmm. Exodus. When they crossed the Jordan to get to Canaan, they built um, an altar of stones as a sacrifice, as a worship to God. Mm -hmm. And then um, when we cross the Jordan, we will be singing with the angels in heaven. All right, so we've gone over all three verses. Yeah. I mean, I want to just sing them now. I know. I know. So you're going to hear um, Carrie and I singing the pipe, singing the hymn, Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah, and we're going to have it accompanied by Carrie on the pipe organ. Right, and think of John Hughes playing the hymn for the first exactly. time on that organ exactly. in 1907. So quickly look up the lyrics and sing along with us. Okay. Guide, Guide me, O Thou Great, great Jehovah.
for listening. Thank you for singing. Thank and you I, for worshiping with us. Mm-hmm. I hope you learned a little bit about um, this hymn, Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah. But mostly, I hope that you learned that God provides a way for his people. He guides his people. Right. He did it in the past. He did. He's doing it now. He'll do it in the future. And we can live in that hope that we have a God who guides us and and provides for us. One final scripture verse to read before we leave. There was a lot of scripture verses. I know. I love it. This hymn was just rich with theology, and we had to just talk about it. I loved it. Right. All right. So from Philippians 419, the ESV translation, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. All right. We are so excited that we got to do another hymn with you all. Thanks for being on this journey with us. Yes. (laughs) We'll be back next week with a whole new one. So if you want to hear a special hymn, please let us know and we'll get to it, okay? In the meantime, keep singing. Bye. Bye.